Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA. So glad to have you with us. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. We hope it'll be a good day for you. Coming up, we're going to talk markets with DTN's lead analyst, Todd Holtman, get his assessment of where we are at and where we may be going with markets, what looks to be a wild ride this summer. And we're going to be previewing this year's Farm Progress Show to be held in Decatur, Illinois. And that starts, of course, August 31st and then runs September 1st and 2nd as well. That three-day show back in person in Decatur. We will talk with Farm Progress Events Manager Matt Youngman about plans for this year's show. And we'll talk with Syngenta Representative Blake Miller about crop conditions in Illinois as well. All that coming up on today's program. But we're going to start things off checking in on some infrastructure news Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition, joins us now. Mike, thanks for joining us. Tell us about a new barge terminal that has opened on the Missouri River. Yeah, you know, when you think about the inland waterway system and, and commercial navigation, you often don't think about the Missouri River. You usually think about the Mississippi, the Ohio, the Illinois, and others. Um, but we have seen some renewed attention and and action on the Missouri River, which we think is a very welcome development. And it, in a, a very notable uh, example of that was a ribbon cutting on on June the 2nd uh, uh, in the town of Blencoe, Iowa, which is between Omaha Council Bluffs and Sioux City, Iowa, uh, which is now the furthest north barge loading and unloading facility on the Missouri River. The uh, a farmer cooperative new called New Cooperative, they're based out of Fort Dodge, Iowa, they uh, they made the $11 million investment, and now they have a, a, a facility that is operational. So something that's very exciting for, particularly for farmers in, in western Iowa. But we, we look forward to seeing some renewed energy for the Missouri River because we think there's certainly opportunities for farmers in eastern Nebraska and eastern Kansas and even South Dakota and, and throughout Missouri, of course. Uh, to to take better advantage of the Missouri River, we think it's an underutilized asset. How much uh, will this new terminal be used? I mean, what what kind of traffic could we see through it? Well, you know, we 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 you know you know annually we we think it'll accommodate you know two hundred forty thousand tons of soybeans, corn, DDGs, fertilizer. Um, you know, a number of other products like scrap metal and rock, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunities for both the inbound, you know, and the outbound. So it's something that, uh, you know, the Missouri river will never rival the Mississippi in terms of, of volume handled. Uh, but we think it really could be a a good outlet, uh, for farmers in that area to really better participate in the international market. Um, you know, initially 4 million bushels of soybeans, uh, the facility will be able to accommodate and then, you know, plans to expand to 6 to 8 million bushels as demand increases. So, again, a, a really great development that we certainly welcome. 
talking with Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. So that's good news. Uh, We continue to wait and see what happens with this infrastructure bill. They're still trying to come to some agreement. Uh, uh, President Biden is trying to make some compromises to attract the Republican support, but they seem to be a ways off yet. Uh, You know, I I get frustrated, Mike. We've talked about this. Infrastructure should be the... uh, easy one to bring both sides together and get something passed and I, I it's frustrating to me that uh, a bill wasn't offered that really focused on what we consider traditional infrastructure not try to do a bunch of other things uh so it it seems they've taken what could have been a home run and now they've really made it uh, a, a difficult uh situation to see if they can get it worked out are are you hopeful at this point to reach some kind of compromise or do you think the democrats just push it through or what do you think happens here yeah you know that that's it's a it's a real big question you know i think they're getting closer on the spending levels but what really is still uh, a real point of dispute is how to pay for it and and whether you you know raise corporate taxes as president biden has has offered that that really there's still a very strong resistance from the republicans on that, um, you know, just to, to dovetail with your comments, though. So while you're having this these negotiations between members of Republican members of the Senate and the President on this broader infrastructure package, you know, the routine infrastructure work that that's still occurring, uh, we're we're in the midst of of debating a a reauthorization of what's called the Highway Bill. They have they have to do those every five years, and the last one was done in 2015. They had a one-year extension uh, of it, so now they have to have a new one by September 30th of this year. The Senate Environment and Public Works Committee just unanimously, uh, you know, passed a $304 billion five-year reauthorization bill, and you've got Republicans, Democrats, conservatives, liberals that unanimously passed this bill. And and so the question is, would something like this get rolled into kind of the larger infrastructure package that the president is proposing, or it will be more of a standalone bill? But you know, to the point that this transportation infrastructure can and and should be a bipartisan affair. This is a really good example of it. That this is a, a strong bill, and you know we think if you keep the focus on things like roads and bridges and ports and, and, and freight rail and inland waterways and all those things, and sure, extending it to things like broadband and water, you know, water treatment facilities and the electrical grid, you know, you can clearly have a, a bipartisan win. And this, this bill that was mm-hmm. just passed out of committee, again, unanimously, how often do you have unanimous things happen in Washington, D.C.? It just shows what the potential is if we keep it focused on transportation infrastructure. Well, you hit the key. Can they keep the focus? And it seems that's difficult for them to do in Washington. Uh, real quick before we let you go, any other big uh, maintenance projects on, on the uh, waterway system this summer? Yeah, you know, there, there's still, you know, work that needs to be done, you know, on the, on the Missouri River, uh, you know, still work on the, on the Mississippi River. Uh, we're, we're very pleased to see on the lower Mississippi River really good progress being made on the deepening project. Uh, that first phase is, is very nearing completion, which will open up a 50-foot channel for a large portion of the river. And so we're, we're very happy to see some of that work you know, continue to make progress on. 
but yeah, there's there's obviously a lot, a lot of work that remains to be done on uh, on some of the locks and dams. Still backed up on the west coast to those ports. We are. We're still seeing that, and you know, I, I wish this is something that could be ameliorated uh, in the sample of finger, but you know, we're we're seeing this supply chain that continues to really struggle and be under stress. And you know, the west coast is one of the you know kind of one of the ground zero places where you're seeing that manifest, but you're you're seeing it really throughout the system, and you know, we're seeing it kind of express itself at, at the price on a, on the shelves with some of these inflationary prices. Yep. Infrastructure update with Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Mike. All right. Up next, we talk markets with DTN lead analyst Todd Holtman. Stay with us here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. For more than 135 years, the editors of Progressive Farmer have provided generations of farmers and ranchers with the information they need and trust to make informed and profitable decisions. We know you need that content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we created our weekly podcast called Field Posts. Join me, Sarah Mock, each week as I interview agriculture's top thought leaders, as well as farming's most diverse team of editors at the Progressive Farmer and DTN on a wide range of subject matter. From farm policy and crop production to finances, technology, and so much more, you'll have a front row seat to learn and engage in what's happening in agriculture today. You can find the podcast listed on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or by visiting our website at dtnpf.com backslash field posts. Recently on Adams on Agriculture from the National Milk Producers Federation, Shauna Morris, who heads up their trade team, this is good news that the action is being taken for a dispute panel challenge. The not good news, Canada has continued with policies that we hoped USMCA would uh, resolve when it comes to dairy. It's been a long time coming and one that dairy farmers and processors from all across the country have been really eager to see a move forward to actually enforce our rights under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. It is disappointing that we have to go through this dispute settlement process just to actually get the agreement terms that were so painstakingly negotiated for. Unfortunately, it's not a huge surprise. Canada on dairy has the longest track record of working to push the envelope and evade some of their commitments. What's most remarkable here is simply the U.S. desire to not tolerate that. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids. 
kids, parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Always good to talk markets with DTN lead analyst Todd Holtman. Todd, thank you for joining us for weeks there, it seems like we had uh, China purchases to kind of fuel the markets. Those have kind of slowed. Fortunately, some other countries have been buying. That's helped keep things going. But what's fueling the markets right now? What's the biggest market uh, mover? Is it, is it weather? It, yeah, definitely it's weather right now, Mike. And I think to keep this in perspective, we have to remember that this is really the most uncertain time of year. Uh, when there's so many big factors at play and we don't know how things are going to pan out moving forward, we really don't even have a good handle on corn and bean acres yet. So then you add to that mix uh, a bit of changing forecast every day. We've had some mood swings already this week uh, tied to changes in those uh, weather forecasts, and uh, that definitely is the main driver of the moment. As some of those forecasts... uh are concerning as we head to summer, especially when you consider some of the areas that are are dry going into summer. So uh, we'll wait and see how that plays out, but it it has to start getting your attention at this point. Yeah, and I think overall uh, we're seeing uh, a similar pattern that Bryce talked about back in December when he was trying to look forward to the spring and summer outlook, and that is we have very dry concerns in the western Corn Belt, And in the eastern Corn Belt, things are looking much better. And that is still true in our forecast today. The drier forecasts have been to the west and the northwest. The uh, eastern Corn Belt from Illinois east uh, has caught more timely rains. Uh, We've got some very extremely hot temperatures coming in the forecast for the northern plains uh, here today. And that's going to last several days. But the eastern Corn Belt largely is going to be protected from a lot of that intense heat. So, uh, you know, there's a little bit, uh, if you're bullish, there's something to pick from. And if you're bearish, there's something to pick from. <laughs> yep. But uh, we, we seem to have sure. that east, east-west divide going on, yes. I've talked to several farmers in Iowa, some of them dealing with frost concerns and, and facing maybe some replant decisions. Uh, how widespread is that? Uh, that's a good question, and to be honest, we don't have a good handle on it yet, but it, it's a bit startling that that was only two weeks ago that we were, or really yeah. uh, a week ago, it was Memorial Day time, two, yeah, two weeks, uh, that we were looking at that. It looks like eastern Iowa uh, definitely got hit with some possible damage. We've heard of a lot of uh, replanting activity uh, coming from that. Um, and uh, I don't think so much in South Dakota, but I think areas of Minnesota and, of course, North Dakota got hit. So it's an extremely tough year for North Dakota. So by the time we get to the end of the month in this acres report, uh, is that pretty well factored in? I mean, do we kind of feel we have an idea, or is that just going to 
Yeah, everybody kind of holding their breath to see what that report says. No, we're all holding our breath. There really has not been any good uh, estimate that I would put a lot of confidence in to date on the corn or bean acres. Now, I think the general consensus is that uh, somewhere around 93 million acres, possibly more for corn, and possibly around 89 or 90 million acres for soybeans is, is probably the, the general outlook that we have here. And I don't expect it to be too far off from that. But that June 30th report has a history of surprises, and the big thing is is that both that acreage report and the grain stocks report that come on the same day give us a lot of information, and it often takes a lot of the volatility out of the market and gives us a pretty strong direction heading toward harvest. So it can be a real game changer, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we, be- we can't rule out surprise. Yeah, watching that one closely. We're talking with DTN's Todd Holtman. All right, let's get back to China. Uh, not making the big purchases every day as they were for a while. What's your assessment of that situation? China overall still looks to be a very strong demand customer. Now, I understand that their attention for soybeans has shifted to Brazil right now. That's where all the soybeans are after their big record harvest. And uh, Brazil has been shipping soybeans at a record pace uh, once again the month of May, and we expect no less for the month of June. The good news is, however, even in the face of those large shipments, the soybean price in China is not coming down. It's maintaining its uptrend, staying near its highest levels uh, of the year. So there shows no sign of uh, demand calming down uh, in China for soybeans. Similarly, in corn, their their uh, average corn price in China still is around $10.80 a bushel, still a very expensive level that suggests they're going to continue to be buyers of corn along the way. Of course, as we've seen, sometimes they do it a little erratically in spurts here and there, and then you have quiet periods in between, which we might be in uh, one right now. But overall, I still expect their demand to be uh, pretty uh, helpful to our prices in this new season. I was surprised the other day when I read, given all the purchases they've made, that they're still, they still haven't hit the phase one uh, levels that they committed to in that deal, right? I mean, they're still, they're still below those numbers. Well, there's a whole can of worms there. Uh, uh, and, And first of all, uh, when that phase one agreement was put together, I, I wrote at the time that uh, the levels were too high. It just did not seem realistic uh, that those levels could even be attained. I didn't think we had that many soybeans, frankly, in the bin to reach those levels. So I don't think it was ever a realistic target in the first place. And then, of course, the, the second part of that is that within the agreement, there was always an out for China. That it wasn't if it wasn't in their commercial interest, they didn't have to live up to any specific obligation. So, considering all that, uh, I, I'd say they they did pretty good in coming close, and uh, uh, I don't think anyone should be surprised if they were paying attention uh, that uh, we didn't quite achieve the, the phase one target level, and probably won't again this year in phase two, even though I still expect good strong demand from China. Happy they're as close as they are, I guess, compared to where we were, uh, thinking back to a year or so ago. Um, So now the focus, as we wait for that June 30th report, but these weekly crop ratings, uh, does the market react to those, you think, now for a while? 
you know, they, they do. And, uh, not with my full support, obviously <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, you know, uh, we take them for what they're worth. And, and I think they're good general observations. I consider them as good subjective observations of their crops. Now we came out with a 76% good to excellent corn rating here in the first week, uh, to start off the season. But, you know, if you drive around and look at most of the corn, it's, uh, maybe three or four leaves. Uh, in some places, it's farther along than that. But it, in a lot of places, you're not looking at very much of an emerged crop yet. So uh, give this thing time and uh, and a few weeks, and I think we'll have a little better assessment of what's actually happening across the country. So choppy markets ahead? Yeah, definitely, absolutely. This is going to continue to be an erratic, uh, uncertain market environment, I think, between now and June 30th. And of course, we, with the serious weather factors we have at play, uh, that that just adds to it. We've got still serious drought threat in the northwestern Corn Belt to keep us up at night, and uh, there, there's just uh, no no lack of factors this year to keep an eye on. How choppy? Meaning, you know, how big could the spikes be one way or the other? Well, I think we've seen a pretty good example through the month of May. I mean, uh, we had soybean prices up and down over uh, a dollar a bushel, and we've had pretty good swings in corn. Um, I, I, I think basically we're trying to find a new trading range in a very uncertain environment with an eye on what's going to happen for production this fall. And so within that, I think we're going to basically chop in a range that we've already maybe set the parameters on uh, for corn and beans here. But as you can tell, they're staying at very high levels. Yeah, so you're kind of thinking, well, maybe I'll have the good crop and there'll be enough problems elsewhere to drive the market higher, so maybe I'll wait and see how high it goes. I'm thinking that's what some are thinking maybe. Yeah, well, in, in Illinois, I think you're positioned very well because you may have the best of both worlds there, and uh, the eastern Corn Belt in general ought to come out of this year in very good shape. Yeah, some of the crops, uh, yeah, looking really good in, in those areas, and uh, we know that the other parts of the country are not looking so good. So it it shapes up to be a wild ride this summer, right? Yeah, it certainly does. And uh, it, every day you wake up, uh, it's different with a, a slightly different forecast on the mix. Yeah, and forecast is a key. We watch those forecasts and wait for that June 30th report to come out. Todd, always good to talk with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. DTN lead analyst Todd Holtman. Up next, we look ahead to the Farm Progress Show coming in a few weeks in Decatur, Illinois, and we'll also talk crop conditions uh, throughout Illinois. Some places looking really good, some others uh, have some challenges. We'll talk about that all coming up next. Stay with us here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. 
As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. You're listening to AOA, I'm Kirsten Rall. Over the past week, temperatures in the Upper Plains have swung from freezing low to triple-digit highs. Spring wheat is the U.S. crop experiencing the most difficult growing season. Spring wheat territory has been in a continuous drought and has hot dry weather forecast ahead. The latest spring wheat crop rating is one of the worst on records for this time of year at only 43% good to excellent compared to a 71% five-year average. On the Board of Trade July corn, trading 13 and three quarters higher at 675 and a half cent. The September contract up 15 cents at 597 and a fraction. For soybeans, the July contract up 25 and three quarters at 1575. The August contract up 24 and a fraction at 1528 and a fraction. For wheat, Chicago wheat July up eight and a fraction at 684 and a half cent. Kansas City wheat July up eight and three quarters at 633 and a fraction. Minneapolis spring wheat July up 15 and a half cent at seven. 93, the September contract up 15 and a half cent at 798 and a fraction. Traders have essentially put the cyber attack on JBS in the back seat as the crisis was averted quickly. Live cattle are struggling with the inability of cash to trade higher and how the seasonal decrease in demand will unfold. Hog prices continue to increase with no resistance expected at this time. June live cattle trading 15 cents lower at 116.65. The August contract down 20 cents at 118.32. Feeder cattle August down $1.15 at 151.80. The September contract down $1.02 at 154.47. In lean hogs, the July contract trading 55 cents higher at 119.55. The August contract down 70 cents at 116.35. In the outside markets, the Dow is up 109 points, the Nasdaq Composite up 163, the S&P 500 up 27, the U.S. dollar index is trending lower. This is AOA. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois, coming up August 31st, September 1st and 2nd. 
And this Farm Progress Show preview brought to you by Syngenta. I'll be broadcasting from the Syngenta tent at the, the Farm Progress Show and looking forward to that and looking forward, of course, to having an in-person event once again this year after the virtual event, uh, virtual Farm Progress Show was held last year. So we look forward to getting back to that. Um, and throughout the summer, we're going to be kind of previewing not only the Farm Progress Show and how things are coming together for the event, but we'll also be talking crop conditions as well. Joining us uh, today is also uh, Blake Miller, Syngenta representative. Blake, good to talk with you. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Mike, good to talk to you. Glad, uh, glad hey. to be able to make it this time. Before we uh, talk with Matt Youngman about uh, the Farm Progress Show, I want to talk to you about crop conditions uh, throughout Illinois, and especially that Decatur, Illinois area where the Farm Progress Show will be held. How are things looking from what you've seen? Mike, it's been an interesting since the last time I was on the show. You know, the crop's been through a, a lot of temperature undulations, right, and, and rainfall some significant west of Decatur, probably Decatur West, actually. I think the heat's going to turn the crop around, Mike. There's a, there has been a significant amount of replants, and the crop in, in general is behind where the, the central Illinois farmer would like it to be, right? But I really think we're going to come around. saw a few planters trying to finish up this morning. I'm, I'm over west uh, in the Macomb area today. So uh, I think we're going to get there, Mike, but it wasn't without some uh, strife and some replanting and frost injury and things of that nature, but uh, I'd say overall, specifically, that Decatur area is coming along nicely. They're kind of on the line between west of their significant rainfall and east of there, probably not enough rain, so it's going to come along pretty good, I think, Mike. How wide an area do you cover, Blake? I, uh, if you drew a line from, uh, just quickly, Mike, from from north of Danville down to Paris, over to Pittsfield and up to just outside of Burlington, Iowa, and connect that. That would be what we would call Central Illinois in, in the southern in Syngenta terms. <laughs> yeah, and that's quite a wide band there. Uh, overall, though, from some of the conditions we've heard in other parts of the Midwest, I would say this area overall that you you just described is in pretty good shape. Yeah, I think we've got to be really optimistic. You know, I. I We've got great soils, typically have good weather. As you go east into Ohio, that's really been challenging, I believe. And, and in northern Illinois, I was up up uh, in the I-80 corridor, and, you know, they're, they're somewhat concerned about the lack of rainfall. So crops, all, albeit looking good. I've got to say, Mike, I was in the Springfield area, Auburn, yesterday, and between Auburn and probably Jacksonville, the roads are actually closing on some of the early corn. So that that's an area that's ahead of the rest of it. But, uh, yeah, we, we need to be optimistic about what we've got for certain. Well, let's bring in Matt Youngman, Farm Progress Events Manager. Matt, thanks for joining us. Last time we talked, we were on the show site in, in Decatur, and um, – host farmer David Bricks, and you were happy to have things, everything in and uh, looking pretty good at that point, still looking good? Yeah, honestly, I haven't been there since you and I saw it in person, so I'm glad to get that crop report from, from Blake. And, you know, I haven't heard anything different. Um, you know, I know David knocked down the first cutting of hay for the parking lots, and, and I think I saw a post from his wife that said that's the best first cutting that they've had in a number of years. That, that parking lot alfalfa looked really good. 
uh, and everything I've heard about the field demonstration corn is that it's in it's in great shape. So you know, kind of kind of charging forward here. A lot of activity uh, starting to happen uh, to get the show put together, but it uh, looks like that, that field demo corn is, is one that we're not going to have to worry about this year. We're going to be in great shape for field demonstrations. If there were problems, you would have heard from David, right? I would have heard from David, and I would have heard from <laughs> a, a number of people. And, and, you know, there's still a lot of growing season to go, so, you know, I shouldn't count those chickens before they're hatched. You know, about the best you can say is that we look as good as we can look right now. Yep. That's uh, all we can say at this point, but that that's uh, better news than we've had some years past, and we think even a couple years ago at uh, the Farm Progress show, show site when there were some real challenges just getting things planted. Well, Matt, tell us about the, the preparations. Uh, where are you now in getting ready for this year's Farm Progress show? Yeah, we're, it, you know, it, it's starting to start to really take shape and, and physically take shape in terms of, you know, here within the next 10 days, we'll send out a lot of assignments to the exhibitors, and that, that always creates a, a lot of activity with them firing back questions and, and maybe wanting to, to, to adjust their positions and, and those kind of things. So, you know, putting the 900-piece the puzzle into place is, is kind of the, the top priority right now. Uh, when we get that accomplished, we'll send those, those notes out to the exhibitors, and 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 then they'll they'll start to to put their plans together. But you know, this is this is kind of the the phase where you're really heavy into planning because by the end of this month, uh, and and you know, right around July 4th, that'll be when the show program needs to go to the ship off to the printer. So whatever we're going to do at the show in August, we kind of have to have put to bed here in the next month or so. So we're working on a lot of the details. Um, you know, we're, we're working on that, that FBI Q-Lift system where they're going to build a building there on the show site and jack it up and down uh, all the way through the show. We've added dock dogs to the event. So if you've ever seen on ESPN where, where there's a big pool of water and the dogs leap off and catch something in the air and then splash down in the water, we're going to have that live at the show. We've got a, a, a great sponsorship put together around that. Obviously, a lot of product introductions coming out that are going to be in the program. Autonomy uh, is, is going to be a highlight of this year's show. You know, Blake's, Blake's group with Syngenta helps us with the beer garden, so we're really excited about Syngenta Square. And then, you know, there's about three more things that, that I can't quite talk about yet that are, that are pretty exciting. Um, one of them is, could be a really big deal. So, you know, I think, I think as we have these, um, Syngenta previews that we're doing here, I think we're going to have a few things to add to that conversation as we go forward. Look forward to that. In fact, we'll be back on site at the, uh, show site indicator later this month for another preview. Uh, it seems like the show's a long ways off, but it goes quickly, doesn't it? Uh, Matt, when you're making these plans and you have deadlines to hit the summer goes by pretty quickly. It does. You know, it, it's, uh, it, it feels it, it's a little bit jarring here around the house because dad's kind of back into the, the real, the real life and the real job. We got, we got a kind of a weird break last year. So it feels good and it feels normal to be in June and, and getting busy and getting hectic and a lot of inbound phone calls, a lot of questions. It, it you know, it, it feels good to be getting back to, to, to really putting together a live event and, and, you know, with the state of Illinois, um, I, I, you know, I, I still haven't, I, I still haven't locked in June 11th, even though everybody says that's when it is. But, you know, the plan is that June 11th, the whole state of Illinois is going to open up completely. And so that's, that's great news. Even if it's delayed a little bit, a week or two, that still puts us in great 
position for a farm progress show August 31st, September 1st and 2nd. What has been the exhibitor response coming off of COVID and uh, not having an in-person event last year uh, as far as these uh, exhibitors coming back for the show this year? What's that been like? There, there's been a lot of excitement. You know, we all did our very best to have to lead, to lead a virtual life during COVID when we had to, um, but everybody's pretty well over that and, and ready to get back live and in person uh, to to real you know real live handshakes and, and literally standing next to things and kicking their tires and and seeing all the seeing all the product introductions and things that that folks have missed you know that that's kind of coming from the farmer side from your question was the exhibitors they are they are just so excited you know the, the people that I work with are kind of like me they do farm shows for a living and they are they are like me in the fact that they're so excited to be back and, and ready to do what they're supposed to do for a living um, and and put these in-person shows together so uh, it's 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 kind of a lot of, of nice reunions going on as you start to work with these people individually on their exhibits and, and a lot of a lot of great conversations and, and, and everybody getting excited to, to bring something new to the show. Well, when they gather there at the end of August, 1st of September, they'll be talking a lot about the, the conditions that they're seeing at that time. Uh, Blake Miller, what are you talking with farmers about right now as you uh, go out through their fields? Yeah, Mike, it's, uh, it's a feverish pace, sir, to... Uh, really take care of weed control, the second pass, the overlapping residual, uh, you know, both in corn and beans. This dynamic, right, that's now nearing five years old where we plant beans at the same time and is really pressurizing that situation where we need to keep these residuals recharged. And, you know, our life when you're trying to control pigweeds is really turned into how do I do that through residuals and not count on the foliar op. So, the weather has played a bit of a component there, but life's all about, you know, ensuring those things happen and, and fine-tuning those recommendations uh, from that standpoint. So that's really what's on their minds. And, and, Mike, I passed a few ammonia bottles and what look like UAN rigs, so guys are side-dressing and everything else right now. So a lot going on with this, uh, you know, alleged four- or five-day dry spell, right? Yep, this is a window to get a lot done here right now. We're talking with Syngenta representative Blake Miller and Farm Progress Events Manager Matt Youngman. This is our Farm Progress Show preview. And again, the Farm Progress Show, Decatur, Illinois, coming up August 31st, September 1st and 2nd. Might also mention that throughout the summer, we're going to have previews of Husker Harvest Days, which will come up in mid-September in Grand Island, Nebraska. Stay with us. We have more to come, more on the plans for this year's Farm Progress Show, and also talk more about crop conditions throughout uh, central Illinois with Blake Miller. So stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, 
you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, a recent federal district court ruling struck down a provision of USDA's new swine inspection system. Here to talk about it is Andrew Bailey, National Pork Producers Council's Science and Technology Legal Counsel. Why could this have such a negative impact on pork producers? But what that rule did was finalize a pilot program that had been operating in five plants for well over 20 years. And those plants have been operating differently and at these higher line speeds, uh, significantly above some of them, the 1,106 head per hour limit. This decision in late March has essentially said that by July, they're going to have to drop down that lower line speed point. And it's going to be about a two and a half percent cut to harvest capacity across the U.S., but for each of these six plants that were operating above the line speed, it's actually going to be a 20 to 30 percent hit. These plants, you know, most of them are, are not in Iowa, so you're looking at, you know, states like Oklahoma or Michigan taking a significant hit. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her Mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Step right up and gaze upon this miraculous substance I hold in the palm of my hands. This little miracle can feed us, clothe us, give us clean, fresh water, and provide wildlife habitat for nature's critters. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the 
more about soil health principles that can turn your soil into a star performer. Contact your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how. This message brought to you by USDA and this radio station. Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy-to-listen-to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Mock, as I interview some of agriculture's best thoughts. You'll have a front row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash field posts. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back to our Farm Progress Show preview brought to you by Syngenta. Our guests are Matt Youngman, Farm Progress Events Manager, and Blake Miller, Syngenta Representative. Blake, you mentioned something before the break. It's the change we've seen in the last few years going to more early planted soybeans. I mean, there wasn't that long ago that the Many farmers didn't start soybeans until they were done with corn, and now they start soybeans first, right? I mean, they start with them, and how has that changed the uh, dynamic then uh, moving through, especially the spring, where we're at right now, late spring headed into summer, as far as uh, weed control? Well, I think, uh, Mike, the, the first the first challenge has been then, you know, just uh the, the retailer and or growers, their private apply, getting their arms around or head around, you know, I need to get the residual out there on the bean acre. You know, it used to always be the corn acre first. And then many times, I believe, Mike, you have simultaneous planting of both crops, depending on the size of the operation, right? So then now we've pressurized the system operationally. And, it, you know, how do I get this timely applied, right? Because as we fight pigweeds, water hemp, palmer, so on and so forth, many times we want to lay this herbicide on the surface and really seal it, so to speak, visually, right? So that's really changed the dynamic. And then in this year, Mike, you throw in these supply challenges, and, and that's that's really put a lot of pressure on the system uh, from that standpoint. But that's been the shift. Which crop do I spray first? How do I spray them both timely if it's simultaneous planting? And it's, it's really challenged the operational side of, of the herbicide space, if you will, you know, clear through the supply chain to that uh, herbicide landing on the field. Not, not as much now, but earlier it was just a challenge uh, for spring because it's, it's been such a windy spring. Yeah, that, that, that in itself, there truly have not been very many days, good days to spray herbicides, which is might cause some, you know, cause some challenges and there'll be some consequences here and there to that. But uh, for the most part, technology and in the, the size of the equipment we have today uh, to apply herbicides has is, is helped move us past that or navigate through that situation a bit. Matt Youngman, as you uh, prepare for this year's Farm Progress Show and welcome people back onto uh, the show site, will they see anything different uh, as far as the the physical layout of the show. Yeah, the you know the some of the some of the mergers that have happened 
over the course of, of the last few years are really starting to take shape on the show site. And, and what I mean by that is you have, you have the Bear Monsanto merger, you have the, the Pioneer, the Dow Pioneer, which is the Corteva um, merger that, that occurred. And, and those things are, are sort of um, coming to life on the show site. So, so the show site is going to look significantly different in terms of the layout. A lot of the people that you've You've typically seen when you when you've been to a Decatur Farm Progress show in the places where they've typically been, you're going to find them moved around. Um, it's uh, maybe I say this every year, but but the show side is probably going to be more different this year in terms of exhibitors moving around because of mergers and partnerships and that kind of thing. It's it's certainly going to have a fresh look and feel when you get there, just because you know we we've had to do that, but. Um, I guess I would, uh, as I talk about that, I'm, I'm talking about the, the layout of the show site. The show site is, is filling up really, really nicely this year. Um, back in the, in the winter when we first started taking applications, you know, they kind of came in at a little bit of a slow pace, which you'd expect because nobody knew what it was going to look like in terms of COVID. But now, right now, and, and specifically here in the last month, as, as things have really started to open up, some of the Canadian companies are jumping back in. Um, the, the thing is really filling up nicely. So we're going to have a, a nice, full, great big show site for everybody to, to go walk through with, with uh, you know, it, it's, it's since we haven't, since we didn't have a 2020 show, there's going to be two years worth of new products on everybody's lots and, and exhibit booths. So it's, it's, it's pretty exciting to do this layout and, and think about what it's going to look like on August 31st. Do you have to plan anything differently um, with like food service and things like that because of the pandemic? Really, we're we're pretty fortunate from the standpoint that that the way that we have to serve food, in, in and what I mean by that is because these food these food stands have to crank out a lot of food to feed this big of a crowd. The system was already kind of prepared for anything that the health department was going to ask for relative to COVID. So. Everybody was already masked up and was already wearing gloves and hats, and we were already, um, you know, we, we didn't have, other than the exhibitor food tent, which that doesn't, that doesn't, not a lot of people even know that that was there, uh, we didn't have any buffet services or things that, that because of COVID we have to change. So, um, you know, it's, it's more along the lines of uh, the way it looks right now, you know, masks by, according to CDC, are recommended. So we're going to follow whatever CDC guidance there is and, and have masks available. There's going to be extra hand sanitizer. You know, we're going to, we're going to double up our, our cleaning of the restrooms and, and some of those kind of things. But um, a lot of the operational things that, that COVID demands are not going to impact the visitor's trip to the show. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's going to be kind of behind the scenes. Hopefully things continue to open up, and as you said, next week supposedly in Illinois it really opens up, and uh, looks like all systems go. Real quick, Blake Miller, what are you um, most focused on here the next couple of weeks as you work with farmers? Uh, heavy focus on just ensuring that we have weeds under control, Mike, that, that we have the efficacy we expect, and we're not going to return potential redis- resistant seeds into the seed bank here as you move through the season, ultimately, Mike, protecting the yield of what's a high-value crop today when we think about corn and soybeans. That's, that's the laser beam focus as we move later into the month of June. It'll be on plant health and fungicides. 
Okay. All right. We'll look forward to gathering at the show site in Decatur later this month and uh, get a, another update both on the show and on crops. Our thanks to Matt Youngman with Farm Progress, Blake Miller with Syngenta. This Farm Progress show preview brought to you by Syngenta. That wraps it up for the day and for the week. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.